You know what I think is really stupid? When people start talking about discipline and it turns into a debate about whether or not we should spank our kids. Welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegriff, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Discipline is such a huge thing for us as fathers, as parents, and I think we don't fully understand it. So today, I'm going to share six things about discipline that every dad needs to know. If you're a dad who wants to embrace your God-given mission, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also get more content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you want even more than that, then head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com. I want to start by telling you a story that happened with my son a while back in which I learned a few things about disciplining kids. Six things in total, not all of them I learned in this moment, but some of them I practiced and I saw the benefit of using these approaches and these techniques. So here's what happened. I think we got Chick-fil-A, we brought it back to the house, we're eating, the kids are up playing around and eating at the table. My wife and I had finished, we're doing some other things, we're talking in the room just right next to the kitchen. And my son is eating his kid's meal, but, you know, he's six going on seven. He's a boy. He has a huge appetite. We typically go to McAllister's because he can just keep getting $1 kid's meals the whole time until he gets full and doesn't break the bank. But he was still hungry and he didn't tell anybody. So while everyone's up and around and playing, he headed back to the table and he decided to eat some of his sister's food. Well, when she got back to the table and realized that most of her food was gone, she was hungry and she had a problem. Long story short, we found out that it was my son and I took some disciplinary action. And what I did is I took his Pokemon cards away. I tried to do something that I thought was suitable for what he did. And I think this is really good. This isn't one of the tips that I'm going to share with you. But let's call it bonus tip number one for now. Make sure that whatever it is that you issue as a consequence is actually fitting for the crime. Let the punishment fit the crime. My son stole something. He took something away from his sister. So I thought an adequate punishment for that would be to take his Pokemon cards and keep them for a day or two so that he can understand that it doesn't necessarily feel good to have something taken away. Now for him, this was extra tough because his Pokemon cards had been taken away for the entire week prior to this because of something else that he had done and he had just gotten them back that day and now they're being taken away again. And he was really upset about this. So I noticed that he was upset and I'm thinking to myself, how do I give my son grace? How in this moment can I craft a conversation where I talk to him? I ensure he understands what he did. I ensure he understands how he should do things the next time this happens and then give him grace by giving his Pokemon cards back. Because I don't like to see my kids upset. I don't like to see my kids hurt or disappointed or feeling down because of something that I can control. And I wanted to give him grace. I wanted to give him his Pokemon cards back. Now, the conversation didn't go that way. He didn't end up getting them back. But let's call that bonus tip number two. Look for ways to give your kids grace 
in this disciplining process. So he and I, we had this talk, and I'll tell you about the talk in a second. I said, all right, I need to go take the trash out. He asked me if I would build Legos with him because he loves doing that with me. I said, you help me take the trash out, and I will build Legos with you. He carried out a little box or something while I took the rest of the trash out. We took it up, or we took it out, put it in the trash can, went upstairs, played, had a wonderful time. Even though he was upset about what had happened earlier, we had a good conversation, and we got to have a great time together. Now, this is what happened in the conversation that I want to share with you. But before I do that, this this is the first thing that I need you to know. I started out this episode by saying that it's stupid, and it is stupid, and I stand by this. It's stupid that when we talk about discipline as dads or as parents, that it always goes into this discussion about whether or not we should spank our kids. That falls under the umbrella of discipline, but it is not the equivalent of discipline. When we talk about discipline, we are talking about something that is rooted in discipling, in discipleship, especially as Christian fathers. We ourselves are still disciples. We are followers of Christ. And our mission, what we are empowered to do by the Spirit of God, is to be witnesses of Jesus, the King, and of his kingdom. We go out and we share the good news of Jesus Christ. We do this with our children as well. We are disciples raising other disciples. Now, when you think about what it is to disciple, you probably don't think about spanking your kids. If I was to ask you, what do you think Jesus was doing when he was discipling the 12? You would probably think he was teaching them. He was instructing them. He was leading them. He was guiding them. That's how we need to think about discipline, because that's what it is. It is discipling. We need to look for opportunities to disciple our kids. The thing with this is it's not exclusively consequences. It's not exclusively look for when they make a mistake and then disciple them. We disciple our kids every moment of every day, and we should emphasize the good when it comes to discipline. When your kid does something that is good, something that is admirable, you should make it known that this is a wonderful thing. You should celebrate that. You should reward it. You should recognize it. Last night, my son told me and my wife, he doesn't have Pokemon cards right now for a totally different reason. But he told me, he said, I found two Pokemon cards at school today and they were so powerful and so cool that I put them in my backpack. He said, but before the school day was over, I thought, I don't need to keep these because right now I don't, I'm not allowed to have Pokemon cards. He said, so I went and I turned them into the teacher. And so last night before bed, which I told him, I said, that, that's a really good thing that you did that. But last night, again, I re-emphasized that. I said, Frankie, I'm proud of you. I said, I'm proud that you got those Pokemon cards and you could have kept it a secret. You could have been sneaky about it. You could have had just those two and not all the other ones that you have here at the house. I said, but instead you chose to do what was right and to turn them in and to just embrace 
your status right now of not being allowed to have Pokemon cards. I said, I'm really proud of you for doing that because that's a big thing for a six-year-old to do. And I want him to know that I am proud of him for doing something that honest and that honorable. I, I want to be more like that. So I let him know. And as fathers, we have to make sure that when our kids do good, that we that we are just extravagant in how we express our pride in them, our approval of them. We have to let them know that when they do good, that they did good. But think about what Jesus did with his disciples. Jesus took all sorts of opportunities to teach them. Things would happen, and he would use it as an illustration. He would tell stories. He would take things that they did good. He would take things that they did bad, but he would teach them. The first thing that I want you to do with your mentality of discipline is change the word entirely and think of discipling. Think of discipleship because it will help you stop thinking about spankings, not spanking, and consequences. And it will transition you to thinking correctly of I'm teaching, I'm instructing, I'm leading, and I'm guiding. And there's opportunity for that all the time, whether things are bad or whether things are good. So that is what I want you to do. First thing about discipline, don't think about spankings, think about discipleship. That's the first thing. The second thing is take time. Now, I had a lengthy conversation with my son, but that's because I understand how important this is. He is young. He is pliable. He's like a sponge. He takes everything in. He's so smart. All of my kids are because, because of their mom. I'm the idiot, right? Our kids are intelligent and they can take in so much and they can comprehend and understand some really big things. But it's really important for us to take time to teach them these things. It's important for us to take time when we are discipling our kids. Too often when our kid makes a mistake, and this is typically how we have gone about discipline is we've only focused on it when there's a mistake by our kid. But a mistake happens and subconsciously, most of the time, but sometimes it's you know very obvious, we view those mistakes and those setbacks as an inconvenience. Because we have an agenda and we have a plan and we want to get done what we want to get done when we want to get it done. And now we've had this setback. Now we've had something that slowed us down. Now we have something that's knocked us off the path that we were on. And so how do we discipline our kids? Quickly. We do it fast. It might be a quick spanking. It might be a quick conversation. It might be that we shout and get their attention and tell them, no, don't do that. And we just carry on like they should obviously connect that they should just carry on too. We try to expedite the discipling process because we view their mistakes as an inconvenience. If you do this, stop it immediately. Your most important task as a father is to disciple your kids. It is not your job. It is not your hobbies. Your role as a father 
that you are entrusted by God to do is to disciple your children. This is the mission of fatherhood, to equip and to disciple our kids to be a part of God's mission in a greater capacity than ourselves. We are not going to do that by spending five seconds here and five seconds there in discipling our kids. Take your time. So what if you have to figure out when you're going to do this next? So what if you have to rearrange your schedule? So what if you have to stay up a little bit later? Your kid needs to understand. Your kid needs to learn. Your kid needs to be discipled. And that is your role. And that is your position. So make sure that you take time for your kids. Let me say this. There are times where we are reactive as fathers. Maybe we shout, we yell, we say something that we shouldn't say. We do something. And it's not always because our kid does something bad. Sometimes there's a quick decision that has to be made. But if we don't take our time and help our kid, then they help themselves. And a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a three-year-old trying to process everything that's happened in their terms, in their understanding, with their perspective, it usually turns into daddy doesn't like this, mommy doesn't like this, daddy thinks this, this is bad. And then if it's never addressed, they grow up with these problems all because they formed this idea as a four-year-old, as a six-year-old, as a three-year-old. This is why when people get counseling and they see a therapist, so many times their problem is rooted in their childhood. And it's because parents did not take the time to explain, to help walk them through, to take a moment and say, I shout it and it was wrong. It has nothing to do with you. That was my mistake. Or I shout it because of this. You didn't do anything wrong. It was just something that came out of the blue and I reacted because I was trying to keep you safe. Nothing's wrong with you. If we don't take the time to help our kids understand, to fulfill our role in discipling our kids, we are doing them a disservice and an injustice, and we are setting them up to try and deal with trauma that's not actually trauma, but they don't know what else to do with it. So tip number two is make sure you take time with your kids. Tip number three when it comes to discipling our kids is when you have those conversations and you need to have those conversations that should be just a subsection of tip number two, take your time, talk to them, help them understand. When you have those conversations, you talk to them. You do not berate them. You do not bring them down. It is a conversation that you are having, trying to teach, instruct, lead, and guide. You're not trying to break them down. You're not trying to make them feel less than. They make mistakes and you make mistakes. How would you feel if every time you made a mistake at work, the boss called you to the office and just screamed at you and yelled at you and told you how stupid you were and told you how dumb you were and told you how you always make mistakes, told you how you can never do anything right, how you're always an inconvenience. You would hate it. You'd quit. You'd leave. That's what your kids will do. When they get old enough to go, they will go. Our role is to not make them feel less than. 
if we do that, it's probably because we're trying to make ourselves feel like we're more than what we are. People who understand who they are, people who embrace their identity, people who accept who they are in this world, they typically don't have conversations with other people where they try to bring them down and elevate themselves because they're okay who they are. I have my acceptance in Christ. I have my identity in Christ. I have his approval. I have his recognition. I don't need anybody else's. I don't need to make someone feel less than me so that I can elevate myself because he's already elevated me higher than anyone else can. When we talk to our kids, we do just that. We talk to them and we aim to teach, to instruct, to lead, and to guide. If there is negativity laced in your speech when you're talking to your kids, rearrange your words. Think it through. Apologize for saying something dumb and say something that's actually good and proper for you to say. When we disciple our kids, we don't berate them. We don't shout. We don't scream. We don't yell. We don't say things that are derogatory. We don't try to bring them down. We're trying to bring them up. We're trying to help them grow. You don't do that by stepping on them. You don't do that by telling them that they're not good enough. You teach them. Tip number three, talk to your kids. Do not berate them. Now, this is something, tip number four, this is something that I did with my son during this conversation, and it was a big eye-opener. It really helped me, and it gave me some insight in what I needed to do, and that is get their insight. Now, I've done this with, with my kids. When I'm disciplining them, and I'm talking to them, and I'm trying to help them understand, I always ask them, is there anything that you would like to say? Or do you have any questions? I give them the floor because I want to make sure, one, that they actually understand what I'm trying to help them to understand. Because if I've spent this time talking and they don't understand it, that tells me I didn't do a good job. I need to try it a different way. I need to try a different method. I need to try a different environment. I need to change up what I did because my role as a father is to disciple my children is to bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And if they don't understand what I'm trying to teach them, if they don't understand what I have spoken to them, then I need to do it in a way that they can understand. So I always ask them, do you have any questions or is there anything else that you'd like to say? With my son, I asked him some different questions. I asked him about consequences. I asked him what consequences he dislikes the most. I tried to get his insight in understanding what he did, if, if he thought it was wrong, why he thought it wasn't wrong, or why he thought it was wrong. I tried to get down at the root of why he did what he did. Because too often as parents, I think we assess a situation and we see what we see, and then we make an assumption. Based off all the evidence that we've taken in, we make what is ultimately an assumption, and then we respond to that. I think we need to start asking our kids what happened and really get down to the details. Because too often, we assume. And you know the saying about what happens when you assume. 
We don't want that. We don't want that set of us. We don't want that set of our kids. We don't need to just discipline our kids based off assumptions. And we can't read minds like Jesus could. So we have to have more meaningful conversation. We have to give the floor to our children so that they can actually speak. We need to get their insight. I learned things that are ineffective for my son, things that I have done that don't help him. And that's good for me because now I know this method of trying to discipline my kid, it doesn't work. I need to do something else. I learned what really matters to him. I learned what he really dislikes as a consequence. I learned how to be more effective with him when it comes to disciplining the bad. That's what I learned from him. I also learned some things that are really effective in disciplining the good. But because I allowed him to speak, but because I allowed him to give me his perspective on what happened, and then I pieced it together, I filled in all the holes of the perspective that I had. And that's one of the things you have to realize that what you see is not always the full picture. It's your perspective of the picture. But when you get their insight, you patch in all the missing spots that you have. And there won't be a ton, but when you get their perspective and you get their insight, you see the picture more fully. And then having that new perspective and vantage point, you can more appropriately disciple your kids. Get their insight and learn from them because they have something to teach you. They, even though they are young, they know what they like and they know what they value and they know what works and they know what they they know what they dislike. And when you ask them and they share those things with you, and especially if you've created an environment where they can actually talk to you and they share that information with you, now you have a different perspective that gives you that gives you a leg up in trying to disciple your kids. So number four, get their insight. Number five, I shouldn't even have to say this, but I want to say it because it needs to be said. Make sure you do this in love. Make sure you are teaching your kids from a place of love. Don't do this out of obligation. Don't do this because you feel like you have to, because if you don't, then other people are going to think that you have bratty kids and you're not a good dad. If that is the motivation to why you discipline your kids, I don't know what you're doing. You're not being a dad. You're certainly not being the dad that your kids need you to be. You do this from a place of love. The Apostle Paul talks about us speaking the truth in love. Because truth sometimes hurts. Truth sometimes confronts us. And truth sometimes exposes to ourselves that we're not doing things the right way. And when you say that from a position of authority, as if you're trying to degrade someone, in this case, your child, what they'll perceive from that is not the love and not the moral, but that they're less than, that they're not good enough. That's going to be their perception of that delivery. So speak the truth in love, and they will feel the compassion, and they will see the grace, and they will comprehend the moral. Speak the truth in love. 
I know a lot of times in Christian circles, we get caught up in the fact that there's multiple ways to witness, right? And this kind of goes into the whole discipling thing. We go to the book of Jude, and there's a passage that says, some you win with love and others you win with fear, pulling them out of the fire. And I've heard too many sermons where the preacher says, you know, we use love for a lot of people, but other people, we have to scare them. We have to scare them into salvation, basically, is the point that they make. And that is not what that means. When it says, some you win with fear, pulling them out of the fire, if you actually go to the Greek and you look at what was originally stated there, it says, some you win with caution. Not fear that you cast onto the other person to scare them saved, but caution, because they're in a very peculiar situation. You're trying to pull them out of the fire. It's a dangerous situation for them. It's a dangerous situation for you. So you have to use caution. You have to use wisdom. And I think this is good for us to understand as fathers. You're not going to scare your child into being a disciple like they need to be. Fear is not something that you should use. It's not something that you should have in your arsenal. You should have wisdom, caution, and love. When we disciple and discipline our kids, we do it in love. And the last thing, number six, stay the course. So what I mean by stay the course is, and and this is true of myself, this is something that I have to be mindful of and have to be intentional about. But when we are correcting, when our kid does something that's not good, we have to, one, be mindful that we're not reactive, that we're responding. And so we're holding back this aggression that we often have as men. We're holding this back and we're trying to use our words. We're trying to get through. We're trying to communicate. We're also wrestling with that time factor, right? Because them doing this, them making this mistake, it's an inconvenience on whatever it is that we've expected to do for the evening, for the day. And so now we are wrestling with aggression. We're wrestling with the time factor. We're trying to speak to them. We're trying to communicate. But what happens is we get mad. We get frustrated that this had to happen. And what that prevents us from doing is switching back to being dad, switching back to being the dad they need us to be. Because now we feel like we have to go into another room. We have to go for a walk. We have to just we have to get that out. We have to vent. Now, I think that that's, a, that's, that's definitely a good plan B, to have to go and do those things. But I think the way that we should ultimately get is when we understand that we should be taking our time, the time inconvenience factor shouldn't even be in the equation. And the aggression, the reactive nature, when we're not viewing this as discipline, but rather discipling, where every moment we're looking for an opportunity to teach, to instruct, to guide, and to lead our kids, I think that starts to kind of get thrown out of the window too. So we can actually 
stay the course with our kids. We don't have to just divert a little bit so that we can cool off so that we can, you know what, I'm going to have to sleep on this and tomorrow I'll be normal again. We have to be able to stay the course. And this is something that was beautiful to me that happened with my son and this evening with this event. We had this big talk. We were okay. We went downstairs. We took the trash out. And I went back upstairs with him into his room. And we played Legos. And we played Legos. And he laughed. And he had a good time. And I smiled. He smiled. We played with each other. And when I told him goodnight, and I was getting ready to close his door, he said, Dad, I'm so so glad that you played Legos with me tonight. He said, I had a whole lot of fun. He didn't talk about not having Pokemon cards. He didn't talk about being sorry that he ate his sister's Chick-fil-A. He wasn't upset about any of that. What stood out the most to him is that I played Legos with him. He was more grateful for me Staying the course and not feeling like, well, because I just had to have this big talk with my son and because I had to correct him and because I had to go through all of this disciplinary mumbo jumbo. But instead, I viewed it as an opportunity to teach, to instruct, to lead and to guide my son, to disciple my son. I viewed it as that I was able to stay the course and I was able to still do something with him, not feel like I needed space from him because he made me upset. That is what he took away from that whole evening. Not that he lost Pokemon cards. Not that he got in trouble for eating his sister's food. Not that he had to sit and have a talk with me. None of that. None of that stood out to him. When the night was over and the day was done, he was most grateful that I was there as his father playing Legos with him. We have to be able to stay the course. We correct, we teach, we disciple, and we stay dad. We don't have to go on a walk. We don't have to go shut the door to our room and just sit there in silence for five minutes and then come back out with a smile on our face. Again, good plan B. But ideally, if we can change our perspective of discipline, to discipling and think of discipleship. If we can have that paradigm shift, I think we approach this differently. If we can take tip number two and take time with our kids and understand that this is what we are supposed to be doing as fathers. We are discipling as disciples ourselves. We are discipling our kids. And then when we do that, when we take the time with them, we talk to them, We don't berate them. We don't yell and we don't shout. We don't try to degrade them, but we speak to them. If we can learn to disciple our kids and not just discipline them, if we can get their insights when we're talking to them and fill up the picture and get away from just having an assumption and trying to correct the assumption but actually understanding what they're understanding and what they're seeing and then helping them understand and navigate that. And we do all of it in love. I think that helps us stay the course so that 
even when there is a little bump on the road, even when there is a mistake that's made, we can teach, we can give them an understanding, we can lead them and we can guide them. And then we can, in my case, go and play Legos with our son. And we can have a great evening and a great time. That's what I want you to take away when it comes to discipline. I don't even have to talk about spankings today because it's such a small aspect of discipline. There's a huge umbrella. And if we can learn to think of discipline beyond correction and view it as discipling, I think that changes everything. It changes our approach. That's the big thing to take away. Stop thinking about, should I spank my kid or should I not spank my kid? Start thinking about, how do I go about this to where I teach, instruct, lead, and guide my child to be a disciple? Not necessarily of me, but of him. That's our goal as fathers. This is Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you so much for being with me, and I hope you will join me next time. Thank you again for listening to Fathering Our Future. If this episode has served you or you believe it will serve another dad in the future, make sure that you leave a like, a comment, a review, or share this so that it can reach another dad. And so that you don't miss out on another episode, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, for more great content, head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com.